Yo, yo, how's it going, people? Hope you're having a good week so far. Before we get on to the podcast, if you are a Spotify user um, in the search bar, head over and click and type in Will Clark Record Box and then follow that button. And then you'll get a playlist that I update every week of new music from all my favorite producers. Um, yeah, that'd be amazing if you could go follow it. I love you forever. Anyway, moving on to the podcast. This week is a good one. I know I say it every week, but this is a good one. Promise you. Um, Dread MC, old friend from Bristol. Uh, he is an MC. He has worked on tour with a lot of people. Uh, Clips, Red Light, Scream. And you, if you've recently seen him, you've probably seen him performing alongside my new Lang. He's one of the nicest guys I know, and I just always have a really good conversation with him. So without further ado, Dread MC. Dread MC, what's happening, mate? Bang. You good? <laughs> yeah, good, mate. I haven't <laughs> spoke to you for ages. I know, Matt. But when we do catch up, we're always having a long chat. Like we've been chatting for ages anyway. <laughs> How's that? First of all, I know we literally just spoke, but I think it's the elephant in the room. You lockdown, you're having another baby, man. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> Was it planned? Was it do you really think I planned that? Do you really really? Oh, come on, man. Like, nah. No, it definitely wasn't planned. If All... we, we, what we did plan is a cocktail night, but because me and my partner are lightweights, yeah, we didn't get to finish the cocktails <laughs> from the first night, and it led on to a second night of cocktail drinking. And yeah. Oh, this is when I can like just imagine my mum in the corner just being like, contraception, William. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. But yeah, that's amazing, dude. Family of five. Honestly, we're re- we're really really happy. Yeah. Like my girl's really happy. She's a midwife, so she's seeing babies all the time. Yeah, man. Like, yeah. And to be honest, like it, it, I'm a I'm a family guy anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I find it hard because it is it's freaking hard being a parent. It is so hard. It's like the hardest thing I've done. But at the same time, I I love it. Like I do actually. I do love it, but love, it is stressful. I love that. What, how, because obviously you were doing music before um, having a kid. Like, how yeah. much did it change your life, like going into childhood? Or, like, what, how did it change the career? Because I, we've all got friends, right? Like, I've got some of my best friends of kids. Like, it completely changes your life. Don't care what anyone says, it completely changes your life. But in the music way, how did it, in your career, how did it, did it refocus you? Did it like, what did it do? Yeah. So for me, you're like me in a way. Like, music is the main focus. So mm-hmm. we like partying, we like socializing, but we don't drink or, or yeah. get on drugs or get on it. So, so that, you know, like when people might have to come down the next day yeah. or they could say, I've never had that. I'm always, I've always got something to do the next day or I like visiting friends. I like visiting family. So what me, what it made me do is focus a lot. So I was only going out for an actual purpose. Like yeah. I love partying. I used to, I used to have to sneak out of the house loads of times to go to the studio or go to a, a party. Yeah. 
but my missus would wake up sometimes at like five, six and what she wasn't even angry. She'd just be like, where are you? And I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm at an after party with, with such and such. Like, and like she wouldn't really mind because she knows I'm just there for music or I'm at a club for actual music. Cause I'm, I am yeah. addicted. I'm addicted to music. Yeah. So it made me focus. So instead of like wasting any sort of time or just being out for the sake of being out, I wasn't anymore. Yeah. So, anything I was doing had a purpose or it had to lead to something like yeah. I wouldn't just be going maybe to a studio session, not to get any work done. Yeah. Like there had to be a reason. It's so. interesting that isn't it? Because I've, I've got a lot of people that a lot, well, I say a few, like a handful of friends that have had kids in the music industry and it's like almost made their career. They've become more efficient and they've actually become more successful because it's almost like they don't, have they're not working for themselves they're working for their kid they're working for their kid to have a nice life and have a nice upbringing and kind of be in a situation where the family's comfortable and things like that and i think that like i'm i i don't want kids i'll be honest with you i i'm not i don't want kids at all i didn't want kids i I didn't didn't, didn't want kids but you got three of them now i said that i said that to to like my girls before but when i got with my wife who's my wife now alice like we went traveling together. We moved in together. Like when she said her body's calling for a child and she's the only girl I was with. And I was like, maybe I would have a kid with yeah. you. But then she got pregnant so bloody quick. <laughs> it was, it, it just blew my mind anyway. So. Mate, that was, I would, that was my cousin. I think <laughs> this is wrong. I probably shouldn't be saying this on a podcast. Say it, but, say it. but I'm saying it. He was like, mate, the first time my girlfriend let me Mom! let me finish in a like game over kid on the way yeah. <laughs> bam literally respect man um, but i i am um, i really love it because i'm i'm a family guy anyway but i felt like i didn't want kids but i'm glad i waited till i got with somebody who i was actually in love with we got on really well yeah we was both really settled she was kind of, and then she kind of worked for a career. She said she wanted to be a midwife. Yeah. And she was studying while she was pregnant and stuff like that. It, it was a bit of a roller coaster, but I've had, I've had such an amazing time. Yeah. And I have, I try and have a nice balance. The main worry is like when I had to go touring and, but I wasn't ever going touring for like long stints. I might've gone away for like maybe three weeks was the longest. Yeah. And she, she found that really hard and you're struggling. But yeah. she said, since I've been in lockdown, it's been really nice that I've been around so much more to really help out through the school run. We've both been cooking dinner together and stuff like that. We've had such a nice time quality wise. Yeah. It's it's made it's made our love even stronger together. So, yeah, this, I think I think it's really nice to hear that because obviously with COVID, we hear so much negativity. But I actually think in situations like yourself, like even in situations like me, like I've been back home, I've been been able to cook for my mum and dad every single night of the week since I've been yeah. back pretty much and like I haven't been home for this long this stint of time for six years seven years yeah I used to see you a couple of times obviously I come to your spot a couple of times before but when things started to like elevate for you I was so we spoke gone. on the phone but you was in America yeah. the whole time yeah like you was just on the road like loads but you couldn't have been in that road if you had a family because you just that couldn't work really. exactly exactly and I think like like what you said with covid is it's kind of allowed families to like build grow closer and i think mm. like for, i i i know family for me is really important but like 
I've we've kind of always brushed across it, but like how important is family to you? Like growing up and things like that. How important was having your family around? Jeez, it's it's insane. I've got I've got two sides of family. So mm. I'll just be honest. Like my dad's side of family, we're not as close, but we're really big and yeah. we've got a massive close connection. And my nan only died like two weeks ago. So ah, the funeral's sorry, like in two weeks' time and it's a big family. I've got I've got well, I've got a lot, a lot of siblings. Like, yeah, I remember you saying, I was like, what? Well, I couldn't yeah, get my I've head got, over I've it. got a lot of siblings. And, but then on my mum's side, they're really close, really loving. Um, but then my dad's side, like, not my dad's side, but my actual dad and his uncles, they're, they're gangsters, basically. Yeah. But but they taught, they taught me a lot. So I've learned some really valuable lessons from them and yeah. how to deal with situations, how to deal with people. So I've got that side. And then I've got my my other side of family and it's made me stay really calm. I don't have any dramas with people or yeah. I try and always reflect and not like kind of fly off the cuff in ways. And it's like really loving and really peaceful. So I kind of have like both balances and I've learned a lot from both sides of family, which I really appreciate. But to me, family is so, so important. Yeah. Like I've, I've got an uncle who, who doesn't like to socialize that much, but when he does like answer the phone to me or he answers the door, he's like, he says, I'm glad that you always make the effort with me, even yeah. though I don't want to see people most times. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just like honest like that. But um, I, I got a lot of circle of friends that I always make sure I bring people out of the blue yeah, all the yeah. time. Yeah. And I think to me, that's great for my mental health. Yeah. And I also think it's good for people I might ring. Cause like, say if I ring a friend and they haven't spoke to for a while, even if they don't tell me about their having dramas, I think they're just good to just talk to people. I think I think it's the best thing that you could actually do. Yeah. Rather than going on social media to rant or reach out to people. I agree, man. I love your uh I love your out of the blue phone calls. And it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice. It's like I'm in the studio, oh dread's calling. And it's like and we have a thirty minute catch up and it's it's yeah. really nice and I think it's really important, if you know what I mean, to have to have that especially in these times but i think we live in this industry i don't know about you but we've all got core friends in the industry and mm. and then we have friends outside of the industry but also in the industry we have people that we associates right that we see every fucking weekend but mm. we don't really have a relationship with apart from while whilst we're Party at the club or, yeah or music, yeah because yeah, there's still there's so many people in the industry that i've not even spoken to that i probably see at every festival if you know what i mean and things like that and just i think it's just the, the joys of just being on the road all the time but it is so important to keep keep a close-knit of friends in the industry in this industry because everyone has gone through everything and you might like one day you might be going through something and somebody call you up and they've been through it like five years ago yeah. And you can kind of talk that out because I don't think anyone really else understands our industry. Like there's, there's not they really. They find it hard. Yeah. And it's like, it's it's like when, you, like, let's say for instance, you, like you've done touring for th like three weeks on, on a row, right? Mm. You've not seen your family, like you're not sleeping, et cetera, et cetera. Like if you call one of your mates up that doesn't tour... <laughs> That's like looks at what you've done and been like, mate, I'm so tired. I've like been on an aeroplane. I've been to like six different countries. They're going to turn around and be like, dread. 
Shut the fuck yeah, up. Get a grip. Yeah. yeah sort you're yourself living out. Life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think some of my friends, when they they hear about maybe like a fee that I get and they think, oh, you just got that for an hour's work. Yeah. And I was like, nah, not, it doesn't work like that. Like <laughs> everyone gets a little cut from it who I'm working with. And then also I've been planning stuff for the week. It takes me three hours to travel there. It's like when you start breaking it down, it's nowhere near as much as like people think it is. And there's that. So I had that conversation years ago with like my close set of friends. Yeah. Oh, you traveling? I love. Mate, hold up a bit. Most of it, like say all that again. America. Say all that again. You you broke up. Oh, I said. Well, the last time I went to America was in November last year but i i love traveling but i make the most of it so every day i was in the studio with different producers at like nearly every day in between the shows that we was doing yeah and even one time we had to go from america to canada then we had like five six hours i actually went in the studio and that was with like nostalgic and we had a couple of hours session in there but it was such a great session because the track that we've done together has done really really well for the yeah. both of us nostalgic um, from so- um Oh my god, where's she from? Vancouver. Vancouver. She's great. Yeah. I love that girl. Yeah. She's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And I'm so glad I pushed myself. But even that day, like my partner, she she we had a bit of an argument on the phone because she said, Oh, I thought you were just working in the States, but she's seen that I'd gone to Universal Studios the day before. And I said that was my only day, day off. off. Yeah. Like literally, and that was the honest truth. That was my only day off where we said, let's do something fun. So she said, I'm at home with the kids. You're just like the other side of the world and you're going to Universal Studios <laughs> and on the Harry Potter ride. Yeah. So I, w- I would have been sulking in the hotel room before I went to the show. And I was just like, I need to make sure it's worth me being here. Yeah. yeah. So then I messaged Nostalgic and like where her studio was, it was like a five, 10 minute taxi or it was like a 30, 40 minute walk. Yeah. And I thought, well, I might as well walk and take in the sights and clear my head. I was already tired. And it was a great session that we had. And then I got back to the hotel, had, like had a great meal with like my new Lang. And then we went and did a really, really wicked show in like Vancouver, like our first show there together. And that was great. Nostalgic came with her mate. And then early next morning, we had to then fly to like, we had to fly to like San Diego or somewhere like that. Yeah. So it was like literally in and out. But I'm so glad I pushed myself to go to like even that session. Yeah, I think it's really important to... It is sometimes when you don't want to do something is the time when you actually have to do it the most. That's what I yeah. find. And it's like that when you wake up and you don't want to go to the gym, that's the time when to go to the gym because once you've done it, you'll feel so you much better. Have to force yourself. You have to, man. And it's the same in this industry, in our industry where like you're, there's going to be shows that you're at the hotel room and you're like, I do not want to fucking go and play this show. And you can guarantee that once you've played the show, it's one of the best shows of your life. It's just always the way. I'm not really like that, bro. I love shows Do so you? much. Yeah. Do you? <laughs> like, I'm buzzing. I don't think I... I love I, that. I get, like, I'm a really I'm a really pusher. So to so say, like, I sometimes get upset if I don't force myself to go to the studio. So before, yeah. I used to be coming to the studio at, like, one in the morning or, like, five in the morning, mm. get back at, like, half eight to then do the school run. Um, I've got a better, like, time structure now, eh? But I get so excited for every show I do. I love that. Do you do you think that's because you're like 
obviously you're emceeing. So you're such, you're you're literally the the man between the yeah, crowd the and the, yeah, yeah, you're the connect. Mm. And I think, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love DJing and I love playing shows. I, it, I'd be lying if I said I, I every show I'd be hyped about because I'm not. If you know what I mean, it's just that's just my mentality. I I always love it when I'm doing it, but it's yeah. it's it's that lead up to it, if you know what I mean, like spent all day traveling, et cetera, et cetera. But it's really interesting that you always are super excited about a show. I've never, I've never met anyone that's like that. I, I, to be honest, I, I think I'm being really, really genuine. Even when I'm tired, I might be sleeping in the car and I'm knackered. As soon as, as soon as I'm like backstage, I'm just dying to go on, on. it. Like, yeah. I'm just, I'm dying to go on. Like I'm itching. Like sometimes when I go into festivals and it's like a five hour wait, I'm like, I like to go and check out ever sets, but yeah. just hanging out, I'm getting agitated. Cause I'm really? like, so even, even when I've done shows and I know they're not even busy shows in the early days and stuff like that, I'd still be like given a hundred percent. Yeah. No, I love like, that. I love so that. Do you think, do you also think that's because you, you've, like anybody that doesn't know you, right? You're you do MCing, so you're working with a DJ, right? Yeah. So you worked like clips in back in the day. Yeah. Started with clips, um, and now you're with the new Lang Boys, and obviously you do all the productions. You do a lot of production stuff stuff yourself. Um, yeah. But when you're performing, do you think that's because you're also with another DJ, and you can kind of like vibe off each other, and you've also got the crowd? is is it something that it's like it's not because for me when i tour it's literally just me unless yeah unless it, yeah i'm i'm like on my jacks jones until i'm like in california where my manager will come or i have like like cameraman oscar or cameraman juan but like, it's still just you on the stage though isn't it yeah yeah which i love yeah but but that's i'm just cool. trying but to if you're i think as an mc you're like i'm like I because I know the music as well because you know like I might be in the studio when they're making certain beats yeah and like someone like Red Light will play like majority of his tunes and yeah. I'm a fan of his work anyway so say like I do an odd show for Stanton Warriors so I might even hit them up a couple of days before saying what are you going to play or yeah. show me stuff they're going to play then they say oh we're going to play this tune of yours and we'll mix it in with this one we might just run through tunes quickly yeah and I know some of their stuff from their album and that but we just kind of have that natural connection. So then you're yeah. just vibing off each other as well, as well as the crowd. And obviously my job is to interact with the crowd. Yeah. And I'm not like a, I'm not a constant MC, blah, blah. No, that's I'm why like, I like I'm you. trying to host. I'm trying to have a balance because I'm a raver. So yeah. I'm trying to have a, I'm trying to have the experience. If I was raving and watching the set, how much would I want? And yeah. How much interaction would I want? That's like, that's how I process everything. That's how I make tunes though. That's, I kind of have that vision of what is this tune going to motivate you if you're in the gym? Is this tune going to actually make you skank out? Like yeah, yeah. get your hands up at this point. Like I'm I'm like that on my music even. That's why I like watching you perform. And that's why I kind of like what you do because it's not, it, this sounds weird, but it's not all about you. Whereas I think in certain situations in with an MC, yeah. especially in like the drum and bass like raves it's just an mc kind of spitting lyrics of in, a load in, of... in some aspects it is yeah i spoke to i spoke to a grime mc took took him to the side and yeah. i said 
he wanted to come on. And I said, as soon as you got the mic, what you did, you went right in the middle of the stage yeah. and blocked out the DJ and you just spat 64 bars. Yeah. And I said, you should have just pasted it out. And I said, waited for the right tune for you to then spray. But I said, you, you kind of got a relationship. So yeah. you can't be all you, you, you. There is that thing about having a balance. Well, I think it's about a team, right? And I think yeah. with, with with I've not seen you. Well, I've seen Instagram clips with you and clips, but I've mm. not. I've only seen I've seen you and Lang live. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it feels like you all are giving each other the equal amount of space to do your craft. And it's not about them, and it's not about you. It's just about you guys making the best possible environment for the the people that are coming to watch you we're trying to we're trying to always create an experience yeah and we, we like to play uh like we always like to try and say we're trying to play the best music that we can actually find yeah and try and keep it up to date and futuristic and maybe drop in a couple of classics but i really feel like we've got such a nice relationship like even without knowing i know some tunes they're going to play yeah. even if it's the first time we might play them yeah yeah yeah, and I've got such a sharp ear for mixes, I can I can hear like certain tunes like if I know them like instant as they're lining them up really like subtly. So I'm like always prepared, but I don't, I never have a drink before a set and stuff yeah. like that. It's always afterwards. I try and make sure I'm always on point. If that makes sense, like have to be man. You're because at the end of the day, if you do one thing wrong, everyone's gonna see it. Because you're at the front. And they will see yeah, it. And all that goes through my head is like, don't fuck up. Don't fuck up. That's all I say. And don't drop. Don't drop. Like, you can't drop on stage. Like, you can't trip up on stage. That's like, oh, my days. So that's all. Before I get on stage, I'm always like, don't say any dumb shit. Don't fuck up. Yeah. Have you ever said, like, the wrong city? Bruv, <laughs> Reading and Leeds, the biggest festival, Yeah. I said, but I started out so well. Like, I remember Rage said, how you did that was was bossy, yeah? So we did Reading the first day, and then the next day we was in Leeds. Yeah. And I said, Reading is where we was yesterday, and I want to see Leeds make the most of it. Like... <laughs> it was so smooth. <laughs> That's so good. I love, I love it when bands do that, and you're just like... Oh wait, they don't even know what where they're at. Yeah, I said, do you know what? I felt like it was a probably a bit of adrenaline rush on yeah. those sets, but not really. Like I'm always just on I it. kind of play things over in my head quickly before yeah. I might say certain things. But before all of that, I used to actually put the mic down so I wouldn't be tempted to just say, say something. something. Yeah. Yeah, it's that sometimes little is more effective yeah and but that's yeah. the same on tunes even that's, Mate, that's we, we talked about that on tunes yeah. didn't we yeah 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 i i totally agree with that i think it's very easy to add and realistically you should be subtracting and i think yeah taking that like, I, I speak to a lot of producers i work with because like, i work non-stop yeah um only recently now I've been turning down a lot of work. I've been like saying like, no, cause I think I'm going to eventually do like my own project and my own EP ready yeah. for next year. But I've got a lot of um, music lined up. Some, some really good labels that I haven't worked with as well. Some new artists that I haven't worked with. So I'm really excited about that. 
But um, I feel like you kind of have to have that quality on the tracks. Yeah, totally. And, and I speak to loads of producers saying that, like, actually, now take that vocal out, maybe bring that in. It's like there's too much going on. Yeah. It will have a bigger impact if you just maybe have less. Or, And I, I do like to layer vocals, but sometimes they're not needed if the processing or the effect on it is really done well. Like, yeah. it's not needed. No, I agree. It's something that I kind of look at in my productions. I I will write a record and then I'll literally sit back and be like, if I don't love something, if I don't think it really fits, I just take it out. It's just, yeah. It just gets goes pretty much. Um, but I want I want to talk about how you kind of started because we've we've never really spoke. I, I've only known you really from the my new Leng days. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've never. I didn't know you before then. Um, yeah, because I thought you was from the states when I met you. Do exactly. You yeah, everyone. <laughs> a lot of people still everyone do. Did yeah, they still do, man. And it's a battle. No one realizes that I'm actually from Somerset and yeah. in, in yeah. Bristol. But I, I guess it's it's my fault because I was never part of the Bristol clique. I was never part of the Bristol crew. Um, yeah. I kind of kept myself away from that, and I think to establish yourself as a as a part of a city you have to be in that clique um yeah. where you, obviously you you did yourself from two different projects right yeah lo- lots of pro- but i i was just a, i'm just a raver honestly yeah. i was just even um there's loads of the routes that i kind of came up so i was not the best mc in my clique of mcs yeah like I was just kind of just with a whole load of group of friends. There's one of my closest friends, RIP Brownie. He used to have like, a, he's the first one with kind of decks and he's a bit older than me, a couple of years older. So when I'm like 15, 16, every Friday after school, we just go around to his, his house. His dad had a sound system and <laughs> all the speakers. So he had the decks. We just run a drum and bass set every yeah. Friday. And I would just say my little bits. But I remember when I got my first reload like in the bedroom is such a big thing they're like oh it's, it's such a buzz it's yeah. such a buzz when your peers around you so i remember that was just like why the adrenaline from that is just amazing and then um i didn't even kind of take it seriously but ever people noticed me so yeah. somebody wanted to book me for a party and they said no i said i was telling them which mcs to book i said oh no don't book me like you should get such and such yeah. and them. And they was like, nah, we, we heard you on the CD and we like you and we want to book you. And the same guy, he runs Cygnus Music, who I, who I work for. Oh, okay. Freelance. So, yeah. So, it's the boss from there. So, he he would have been maybe like 19, 20 at the time. It's amazing, so, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's older. And, um, yeah, they put me on the flight. And I weren't going to turn up. They come to my mum's house and pick me up. And I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me yeah. in that way. And it was a Thursday night in like a hundred capacity venue. Where was that? In Gloucester or Bristol? Yeah, in Gloucester. Yeah. In Gloucester. And then... What was the venue called? Uncle, oh, it was called Monk's Bar. So it was underneath like a cellar. It's the so, it's in that little... It's like the... It's almost like Timbuktu, right? Cool, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've played smaller. there before. I played there years ago. Yeah, it's like opposite McDonald's. Like yeah. in the, it's, been, it's been closed for years, but yeah. it was a really... The, stack, the acoustic of it sounded amazing because once you got a, a stack in there, it's bouncing off the walls and it's it, it's firing. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, fi- it was firing. It's it's so strange how drum and bass is so big in the Southwest. Massive. Like, 
Yeah, but I think it was big up north though as well. Though. I don't think it. I don't think it was as big as it. Well, is I felt here. like in Manchester's got such a serious drum and bass. Has scene. it? I didn't like, know that. I really didn't and, know and, that. And Brom, the yeah. like the Midlands, got a serious drum and bass. Yeah, scene. Brom. Yeah, Birmingham. All of that area has massive, don't they? I guess. I guess the thing is, is for me, like drum and bass was never. I wasn't. I was always the techno kid and the house kid, and yeah. everyone was always trying to get me to listen and play drum and bass, and I was trying to get them to listen to house and techno. And yeah. it, it probably took me, I had to get out of college to appreciate it. Because Sybin, do, do you know Sybin? No. Drum and bass producer. He was my college tutor. And like everyone, like everyone would just literally play drum and bass and make drum and bass. And I'm like, I can't deal with this. Like, you know, when something's just around you so much, yeah, it, yeah, takes, yeah. it takes you a few years to appreciate it. Um, but Bristol, especially Bristol, drum and bass scene is huge, or it was back then. I don't know what it is now. I'm kind of off the ball a little bit, but yeah. So I, I had the opportunity to. Um, I got a booking with DJ Hype, and DJ Clips was the was the ever headliner underneath him. Yeah, and I said to the promoter, "Oh, can I work with Clips?" Yeah, and they said, "Are you sure?" He said, "Like Hype's headlining," and I said, "Nah." I said, "I heard a tune with Clips called Monorail, him and I." And I loved, and I wrote a lyric at the time. I was at my friend's house when he's got, he just bought that tune. Yeah. So he's running a set and I wrote a lyric and it's about Gloucester, like, <laughs> flow, floss, where we're from, that's a gloss. Rude boy, I'm a boss. And I knew all my boys yes. would just hype off it. I yeah. just knew, as soon as I see that lyric, all my, my like, friends around me would just be hyping off it. And I said, he's going to play that tune because it's his new release. Yeah. And yeah, I remember that show. We did that show. And then he said, he's seen my name a couple of times. And, and then, coincidentally, I was in, I had a booking in Cardiff like two weeks later and we were both on the build together. So he said to me, come to Bristol and come and meet him in the studio. I didn't drive then or I didn't have a car, but my friend, my best friend Malachi Patterson, who I do loads of music projects with now and I used to do like early production with, he just dropped me in Bristol and I just had my backpack on me with a change of clothes and I didn't know how I was getting home. But in my head, it's like, I need to get in the studio with this guy. Yeah. So if he's saying to come that in, and then we we made a couple of dubs that day. Like he, I made some dub plates for him that day. And he said, like, oh, what are you doing? And he said, he's going on the road. And he said, oh, if you want, I can just come. Because he's going to like Brom. So we can yeah. come back towards Gloucester and just drop me off. And me and him just came friends like fairly quickly. Yeah. And he was the one who introduced me to like Pinch, who got me into dubstep. And then, things just started to catapult for me on that way. So then I met Scream from early. Then I was like touring with Scream. I didn't know you toured, toured with Scream. Yeah, I did. I did a couple of like real big shows. Went to like Belgium with him and there was like Casper there. And that's how I met Casper. So then I was working with Dub Police. Yeah. And that's when I went to America properly on a tour was with Casper and we was away for three weeks. That time. Uh, okay. That's a long time. And then I had a choice. I was either going to go to Australia and America with Casper, or I was going to stay with Red Light because we had like some tour. He wouldn't tell me who the artists were that we was going to be touring with. And my girl said, she'd rather me stayed in the UK because my, my child, is, my daughter was like only about a year old or yeah, two yeah. years old. And I really wanted to work with Casper, but also I really wanted to work with Red Light, but I couldn't do both. <laughs> but, and 
I made a good choice and and stayed with Red Light. And yeah, we've we had we had an amazing good few years on the road. So were you touring as Red Light or as Clips? Because if any listeners don't know, so Clips it was and Red it was Red Light, Light same, mainly. Yeah. So I I knew him as Clips, but yeah. at the same time he was like making this ever music, mm. like all the early stuff. And then one of his early tunes he made was like Feel So Good, which yeah. is me, Zanaya, and Red is on there. And I remember I was in my bedroom because he did the Annie Mack show on a Thursday night at Glastonbury. Yeah. And I was going to Glastonbury on the Friday and the Saturday and Sunday. And I was, I remember I was listening to the set and like, I helped do some of the dubs. Like he's doing a clip set and then morphing into red light to yeah. play a couple of the tunes. And he had like some early stuff from then. So me and him has been like close friends from then really. That's amazing. Yeah. And got to do some crazy shows and got to go abroad and went to America and, I've I've had such a, an amazing time. Yeah. Like because one of the tours we was on, it was like rudimental, disclosure, Annie Mac, Damn. and Red Light. And and everybody just kind of blew up, really. Yeah, they, they did. ended up being superstars. All massive, aren't they? It's, it's amazing. All massive. And it's so nice yeah. to see when it's like a collective of people and everyone becomes successful. And if somebody doesn't become successful, everyone brings them up with them. Because even on that tour, Ella Air was on a couple of the shows. Oh, Anne Marie was on a couple of the shows. Oh, it's Magnetic Man. Uh, okay. So Magnetic Man as well was on the yeah. tour as well. And that's, yeah. And How, how good is Ella Air? Yeah. And oh, Emanike was there. John Newman was there. Yeah. Some of the shows. Mark Crane. So it, such, it, it was, was the UK. Incredible. It was like the, it was almost like the Black Butter UK crew. It was like before Black Butter got bought by Sony. There was no, because like, I think that came afterwards. Like the black, I think we well, kind of like the early days, yeah. Because like Black Butter kind of blew up just after that tour, in a way. Really, in a way, like I feel so. That actually, because even Sam Smith was actually one of the yeah. He was at the Wembley show. There was so many people there. That's crazy. And Did you play exactly at Wembley? It was yeah, because it was the Culture Clash. So that was oh, one of the tour dates. So the okay. Culture Clash. Yeah, and yeah, Diplo was on, and he brought out Rita Ora and Usher. Boy, better know. Yeah, it was it was a mad thing, man. Dude, good times, man. So how did uh, how did you guys how did you and the My New Leng boys kind of get together, and how did that work? Like, when when was it like okay, we are because you? I would say you are, although you're dread. It's like I'd say you're a massive part of the the My New Leng kind of show. Yeah. Um. We're, we're like really close friends now. Yeah. But they just had a party house in Bristol. So I didn't even really know him that well. I just knew about this house. <laughs> really? I didn't know uh, this. Yeah. So I remember, say like, I'd finish like, finish at Motion at five. Yeah. And I remember just going to like their house. Troy Gunner used to live there. Troy Gunner. Well. Damn, I haven't heard yeah. that name in a while. <laughs> <laughs> My girl rang me one time when I, I was like at a house party. And I, I named a couple of people there. And she's like, who the fuck calls themselves Troy Gunner? I said, that's, <laughs> his I name. Said, that's his real name. I said, that's a bad boy name. That's, it is. I always thought it was a sick name. And when he said it's his actual real name, I was like, rah, that's like, you're, you're set. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. You're set. He's a dope producer. He lives in Berlin now, I think. Yeah. He, he moved to Germany a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. I like that guy. But he, they had, they just had a party house in a way. And I think we was on a show together and I said, I'll give them a lift. Mm. Um, and I remember they played after me and Red Light one time at Glastonbury and they opened up with 
like the Fresh and Ting, their remix that they did. And that tune was incredible. And Master Plan, it was me that's telling Red Light. I said, we have to play this tune, Master Plan. Yeah. But we were a little bit late on it. It was already kind of like bubbling away. And then when we played, it was getting good reactions. And um, when me and Red Light like, kind of decided that we was going to like part ways. Yeah. I, he like said, oh, what are you going to do? I said, well, I said, I know I could kind of get back to hosting on drum and bass and doing a couple of dubstep sets. But I said, um, I'm going to probably see if I can hook up with my new lane because I've seen him with a couple of other people. And I thought my kind of style as hosting would sit really well with them. Yeah. And I, I remember, I don't think they mind me saying this, but I remember the agent was saying, oh, I don't think you need an MC. Yeah. So I, I kind of did a test the show. And I had such a good time with them. So and I thought it would work, work out well. And I was I was up for driving as well. So I said I could drive us to shows. Yeah. Like them too. And honestly, we just we just hit it off straight away. That's dope. I it was literally that. like just straight away. And we're like best friends, really, no? Yeah, you're everywhere with each other. I don't yeah. I don't and, see them. And I, and I still speak to Red Light every nearly every week. Really? Yeah. It's amazing, man. It's I guess it's just, it's what we were saying right at the beginning. It's kind of like growing that family. And then that is part of your family. It's like the second part of your family. You have like the immediate family and then you have your work family. We all have that where there's people that we all just, they're just part of us, if you know what I mean. It's not part of our lives that will always just be there. And I think it's really important to have that and, I think it goes back to what we said in the beginning is what you're in this like position, really amazing position where you kind of breach that gap between a crowd and a DJ as, as a host, as an MC. And I think it's a, a really important thing. And I think there's only there's certain genres you can't do that in, right? Just because it's frowned upon, if you know what I mean. But I think there's also like, and I say that like, the uber cool techno lot like yeah. they they don't have that if you know what i mean and it's kind of like i'd like to see it i'd like to see what it would be like and if something like that could ever happen if you know what i mean and I, what do you think it is about with like the genre of music that you guys do that allows you to be you I think it's almost, I don't, I don't really know if it's like much acceptance, but I feel for me, I, I work with so many different genres. So yeah. even with a couple of tech house tunes, I will vocal tunes, but my name's not on there. Like I've yeah, worked yeah. with loads of quite big names and I've done a, I've been doing a lot of like resampling where people couldn't get sample clearances mm-hmm. for. I've been doing that like secretly yeah. and just and getting like small lumps of money just to do that. But um, I feel like, with like drum and bass and the bass house, there's there's not many egos really. Yeah. So you can kind of just really be yourself. Yeah. And it's just all right, really. I, but I don't know. But and also, I just love music. So like all with the like, kind of tech house stuff and the even like pop kind of pop music. If it's made well, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. I think personally, for me, is that in drum and bass in like the more bass kind of heavy music and tell me if I'm wrong because I could be massively wrong um but I think it's a younger crowd and I think when you're a bit younger 
you're open to more things and you're open to just having a fucking good party. And I think egos are taken out of it and it, it turns into something where we just all want to have fun all together. And then I think there's that there is that on the bass high stuff and like bass line, yeah, there is that younger crowd. But with drum and bass, it's mi- such a massive mix of yeah. ages because you could work with like you could have the kind of caliber sound and like the Fabio and Groove Rider, and there'd yeah. just be the older heads there. And but you could still appreciate it if you're 18, 19. I yeah, feel yeah. like there's not really an age gap in that kind of scene and that music, really. But maybe when you're younger, you kind of want it fast. And yeah, you, you do. want harder beats and stuff like that. And you're excited to, to just hear yeah. something loud and, yeah, and just it, be it hits you straight away. You want that impact like straight away. So with the bass line and the bass house thing, but also you got the shuffling dancing, which I yeah. think is they they listen to both sides of those music and they can do their movements to all those genres, really. What's your thoughts on the shuffling thing? I quite it's like I quite like it yeah like I get tagged in like quite a few videos and I just I appreciate if somebody is into my tunes or like my music like so I appreciate that but I can't I can't do it yeah I I think it would look a bit mad if I could do a backflip I might I might I might do that on a stage but to actually shuffle and break some moves yeah like that I don't know if I could do it because I don't know if I want to see the videos back of me doing it afterwards it's really funny how it was huge in england and then it's just completely stopped and then america just instantly stopped yeah and then america just took it america america did what america does best is they everything just gets blown up 10 times yeah exactly they they take everything from somebody a, a different culture or a different country and then just turn it into something wildly successful yeah they make everything major yeah like it's like a serious business model 100 percent. every like there's so many like shufflers that make so much money oh they're making more money than me like <laughs> yes. I, I, got, I got a quote for like, yeah and i said am i doing this wrong it's like yeah. my music and like they make them they would make more money off my tune than i would if if i was to pay them for video and stuff like that for influencers it's wild isn't it what's your thoughts on this whole influencer thing if people are making money however they can i kind of have to respect that yeah i don't think i'm i'm like an influencer i just want i'm a creator so i just want to create but i'm also i'm always about being fair i want everybody to have a fair cut of money so totally but like the other thing is like, so say if an influencer telling me they want six or 10 grand for a video and there's no, I was like, I can't even justify spending no. that type of money on a tune. Like we can't even negotiate. There's, yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no even talk for negotiation major. So I think, I think with influencer marketing, with the likes of like the YouTubers with that have millions of followers that they get paid like 40, 50, 60, 100 grand a video just to say they're being sponsored by whatever, if you know what I mean, like buy this water bottle and this water bottle company pays them a shitload load yeah. of money. And, and then I think it's unfair if they're, you're use, they're using your mu- your music in the background yeah. and they're going to talk it, but you, you've made that music, but you're not getting anything from that. Totally. Yeah. There should so when be- they can monetize, when they can start monetizing 
any of those Snapchat videos, TikTok videos, Instagram videos or reels or people having your stuff in the background and it's done fairly, then that'll be cool. Yeah, because it, it's it's very strange, isn't it, where you have it's kind of that relation love hate relationship. Well not hate, but like sometimes you rely on influencers and people on organic reach on social media to make your record get big right yeah and then and then there's certain like certain record a lot of major record labels pay influencers pay big instagram companies to to, sometimes they don't work at all no it doesn't and i think this is the thing it's like and i think it's such a waste yeah there comes a point and i totally agree we literally have this conversation every week with my label team like there's like what is worth like we could spend you could spend 10 grand on a record and it doesn't generate 10 grand's worth of income and you're like but if you work it out it'll be less than that it don't even generate half that it won't and then you're like well we're the ones that are getting fucked over <laughs> Because it's like everyone else is is earning the money. It's getting paid. Yeah, everyone else is yeah. getting paid but you. And you're the one who's made it. hours and hours and days making the tune. I wonder um, how I wonder how, how it can change. I wonder how, like but but then you get again, like you go on YouTube, somebody uses your record, or go on let's say TikTok, somebody uses your record and it turns into a massive hit. You do get those. It's one yeah, in a million. I only, feel, I only feel like there's only a few. One so in a million. I know people who's had those, yeah. but I still think it's only a, a small few. But you can imagine how many people are chasing that. Yeah. And paying that. I've got a friend who recently paid £700 for a Spotify on Plugger. Yeah. So I didn't even, I know obviously a radio plugger, but I didn't know there were Spotify pluggers getting that much. And then his street, I told him basically, you've got nothing for your money. Yeah. Because the streams total was on the 10,000 street. I said, you should have got that by yourself. Yeah. With, with no, without you spending money, you could have got somebody to do a 25, 50 pound little comedy sketch video. Yeah. And you post it up on Facebook and you try to get it on any sort of like, sort of like little small dance channel and a couple of bloggers. I said, to pay that type of money, You've got nothing from that. Yeah, I said, yeah. I would be absolutely screwing. I said, £700 is like maybe small money to, uh, but that's loads of money to other people. Like yeah. I wouldn't, I would not justify me spending that money unless it was like guaranteed results. And you'd want to, I would have to spend £700 and know that that tune is going to make me a thousand. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. That's business, isn't it? It's yeah. business. You spend, you spend this much money and you need to make double pretty much with what, what it is because there's other costs involved and I, it's really interesting it's really strange because it, it doesn't just happen in music it happens in all creative right anything yeah. creative like and everyone that's create this creating shit wants wants to be successful and they want more and more people to hear or to see or to watch but there's these companies that are saying that we're going to give you we're working for you. We're promoting you. We're going to get you this. We're going to get you that. But I think these companies should work on a results basis. Yeah, because say if a result, say if you do get results for a track, they can they can claim that and say, oh yeah, yeah. because of that. So there's no like, 
there's no guarantee of anything really somebody yeah. can't like guarantee this is going to work for you or this is going to do like and i'm always up for i'm always up for like getting people's opinions on stuff or working with people or collaborating with people like i'm i'm definitely a genuine collaborator so i work with some of the biggest names yeah and i'll work with some new artists almost on their first release sometimes and mm. they can work with like um one of the engineers like one of the engineers that i work closely with is alex yeah. Holmes. i think you've met yeah. yeah yeah and he's been he's been great um the other one is like wesley park i send people over to like wesley park to say listen get your tune mixed down by him yeah yeah or you can send him the stems and i said and then he can like polish up your tunes and make it sick like joke has been helping a lot with one project i've been working with and he's like one of the best in the game yeah he's amazing 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 guy and one of the persons that i kind of came up with at the time is nyta okay he's been in music for years and years like me and him always talk and discuss about tunes i think it's good to have like people that can give you like solid advice and good criticism yeah you can turn to for stuff like that and then you have to justify anything you're going to spend money on or do because you don't want to lose your some people like credibility like you want to keep your integrity so you don't want to be doing some silly stupid video of like pouring champagne over your hair or splattering cake on your face to trying to get good engagement from it like not everyone's fisher right Every, like and I don't mean yeah, that he's in, an entertainer yeah, yeah but he's such an entertainer yeah and, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way I love what he does there's there was characters back in the like eats everything Seth Troxler they were they were character in there when they got big they were they were characters and like everything about them was about the them their their personas and who they were and kind of everything about them but what they did is that they always followed it up with very good product yeah and fish is exactly the same he's he's himself like you can get him on instagram or off instagram and he's exactly the same person yeah but he also follows up with a very good product and i think that's the difference is that you can try all these things you can spend all this money on doing trying to get somewhere but at the end of the day, you've got a fucking good product. And whether that's a good record, whether that's good art, whether that's good something, it has to be fucking good. And I think if it is good, it will eventually do well. And if it's not good, it's not going to do well. It's simple. We've all released good records. We've all released shit records. Yeah. And of course it is. And I think that's the thing. It, there's nothing better than a good record because somebody will always pick it up. Even if it's a year or two years down the exactly. line. And that's that, the amazing that thing about streaming. That is the amazing thing because that that would never happen back in the day. It yeah. Very rarely a record would resurface, if you know what I mean. And, Cause that's, and that's what happened with me. Like my first tune signed to a major yeah. was like, I don't know if it's two years old or it was definitely over a year old. So it was definitely over a year old and it had already hit over a million before yeah. it got signed to a, a major. And it got a re-release. Yeah. And, and that was great. Yeah, it's amazing. That is the, the great thing about streaming. One of the men, like, do you like streaming? I don't see much money from it. Yeah. But I definitely use it as a way to promote my music. And it, it's a great way for people to come in, approach me for collaborating and for me then to work on bigger tunes, work with other artists. Yeah. Um. For me, it's just like 
it was just enough. My my main money originally came from doing shows. Yeah. Obviously, that's completely crashed. So now I've been doing, making sure I've been doing other things, music related, like I'm doing some talks and stuff like that. Yeah. You've I'm just going to you've just music. released a, a sample pack with Future Future Music. No, for Music Tech. Music Tech. Music, yeah. yeah, Music Tech magazine. Um, and even with that. Obviously, it's for a magazine, so I haven't gone all out. Yeah. But I've given I've given a solid piece of work, and I've given like a really great introduction to. Especially if nobody doesn't know me, it's a great introduction yeah. to see like, oh, actually, this guy can do. He's got he's got such a varied yeah. range of styles and approach, and that's almost like kind of what it was made for. Yeah. Um, I get approached so many like over the years, especially in since lockdown, I've been approached by so many companies to do sample packs. But yeah, it's wild. I'm that, really, yeah. But to do an actual vocal sampler, to have my stuff out there, I'm just like, it has to be a really good deal. So I've kind of got a deal on the moment, and I'm still even thinking about it now because I could potentially make the money from doing a sample pack with having loads of my vocals out there. Yeah. I could kind of get that off me doing maybe like 10, 12 small tunes or doing one or two big tunes. Yeah. So I don't want loads and loads. That's like, that's like, that's not my main concern, but apparently um, one of the companies hit me up, said they've got this new loophole. So people can't then say, Oh, I've done a tune with dread just because they've got used that sample pack. So. See, I've, I was in a meeting the other day and this person did a remix for somebody and they sent they they sent the remix in and they the original producers in the label were like have you used any samples like is there any samples in this and he was like well there's a splice sample but it's royalty free and they were like you have to take it out and he was like yeah. why he was like well in the in splice although they say it's royalty free not every record not every sample is royalty free so yeah. the original artist actually got sued by somebody because they used a sample and made a lot of money from it and then got sued and had to take the sample out yeah so like although that's all right for the original guy who did the sample exactly like, because somebody did that to, to me, like an album came out in America, really big artist. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of cool with them, but I hit them up straight away. And I was just like, whoa, that's, that's, I know that's my line. So mm. even though it was pitched and changed, I was just like, I just messaged them. But straight away, I knew they was panicking and people said I could have got a lot more money, but they paid me fairly yeah. nicely. Yeah. And I got, and I got points on the um, track the as well, but they could have just contacted me anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think, but it's still cool. But I'm always about that. I'm I'm not like I'm in a. Pro, I'm actually right now. I'm actually going through something at the moment. Somebody's copied a tune, and it weren't even us that brought it up. Um, other people just kept pointing it out, saying this producer's blatantly copied a tune that I've done with like one of the closest producers I work with. Yeah. So we've just contacted them, and they're just trying to air the email. And yeah. and I was just like, this is so unprofessional. So I kind of lost my shit yesterday and wrote like a serious email because they've had like five days to yeah. kind of reply and i'm just saying the management from the other artists wrote a really professional email yeah. and i said how could you like this is just ridiculous like yeah. i'm not really articulate with my words or anything like that i'm just really straight and honest yeah 
And I'm just like, but originally the label that it released it straight away said they, they're happy to take down the tune because yeah. they agreed. Yeah, this is a this is a blatant copy. And I said, I don't want to do that to another artist. No, because I'm not really like that. And I said, we can either look at either if it was a if I was a massive artist, like a top selling artist, there would be that infringement stuff. So I'd get all the yeah, you'd, publishing you'd earn it. And, you'd and earn the money kind of if I if I wanted to. But I didn't want to do that. We was either talking about either doing some splits off the tune. Yeah. Or well, anything like that. But we was just up for having a discussion. But to ignore it was just so unprofessional. But I'm kind of having that at the moment. But this is just all good learning curves for me, I massive. feel. Yeah, yeah, massive. I think I've had it on a quite a few occasions. Um where people have just blatantly just sampled a rec sampled what i've made and then made a record out for me like i've always it's what's that word um i forgot what the saying is but something is the greatest form of flattery it's like oh somebody mentioned i know what you're saying yeah Yeah, somebody said that about this oh that's gonna annoy me fuck what is it Anyway, pretty, everybody listening to this is like shouting at the podcast going because they yeah. know what, what we mean. Um, but I've always kind of just like, I've always just hit them up and be like, cool, nice one for using the sample. Like, I'm I'm glad you like, like the original, like keep it up. I had somebody the other day um, tag me in a record that, I'd sample, I'd used a, a royalty free sample in one of my records. It was in mm. my You Take Me Higher records. And and somebody had used that sample as well. But after I'd used it and they knew that I used it and the record did was pretty successful. And I just commented and I was like, dope sample, man. And he was like, damn, I didn't think I did I don't want to piss you off. I was like, dude, you're not pissing me off at all. It's just royalty free sample anyone can use it like anyone just go do it man like this is what art's about but as long as no one's like in that situation it's fucking royalty free it doesn't matter like you can do what you want yeah i say to a lot of people let's just make original music that's why i get in the studio with a lot of people like i said because then no one else has got it nobody can't argue with that because you got something brand new something original so it's good if people pay me to come in the studio and do something original and brand new that no one else has got and you know that you've you've got something unique and special. Yeah. And I feel like I think like over the years, like now I've worked with so many people and my tunes are on so many different genres, they kind of see that a bit more now. Yeah. But it is easy to work with a sample because some some of the samples are just so good. They're already mixed down well. You don't have to do any work, but if you have to work with a raw vocal, you kind of have to put your work, you work in into it. Yeah. To, to, and I, but I think that's good. That's kind of, that's like part of the magic. Yeah. See, I like, I like using samples. Like, don't get me wrong. Some of my biggest records are samples. Yeah, um, of course it would be. But like Hallelujah that I released a long, uh, not so long ago. Was, well, that did great streams. That yeah. was incredible streams. Yeah. It's like, candy. See, that, that wasn't even that long ago. It feels like, was that like at the start of lo- well, before lockdown kicked in? That was at the start of lockdown, literally the second yeah. week in lockdown. And that that's a Candy Staten record. And I've learned a lot from that because there's been a lot of politics about that record. And it? it's been a fucking nightmare. Um, but, if you deal with it the right way and you deal with it in the res- most respectful way and everyone gets paid that's supposed to get paid, mm. sweet. 
if you know what I mean. And it's to be fair, I've learned so much from that record, and I got to be in touch with Candy Statham and her family, okay. and like learned so much just about how to deal with people um, and how you've got industry people, and then you've got the artist in the in yeah. the industry that are just always kind of hid behind or purposely hid behind the business side of the people because the business side of the people just want to make money. Whereas the, the creative side of the people of the industry, the artists, a lot of them just want to make fucking great music. And I think that's the difference is there's, if, if for for me as advice, if, if you're an artist and using a sample, just go directly to the original artist. Just because most people are going to be cool about it. And if they're not cool about it, then don't do it. Yeah, because I've got an artist I've worked with, like they're really big producers, like yeah. they're, they're, they're killing it stream-wise as well. But they've got two samples in there, but they're still going to go with it. But one sample, they're taking 50%, the other taking 50%. So they won't make any money from yeah. it, but they think it's going to, it's gonna, the tune's going to do well. And but I was thinking, but why don't you just get something original yeah. that's kind of similar to it then? And then it's you, but they like the sample that much but if you've got a good sample you've got a good sample and once you already like love something you don't want to take it out because then it will just never be the same again is it never the same man i said to people don't don't go down that road in the first place like once you go down that route it's harder to then come out of it i agree i've been working more in the studio with like singers and songwriters recently or since lockdown and it's so much more like you're not spending all day searching for that for that sample you're you're spending all day with two three other people vibing building and relationships creating something and, new, yeah. and creating something new which people have never heard before and i think yeah. i think that's what i think samples house music is well all electronic music is samples right it's it started from sampling disco disco yeah. started sampling from old african drums and rock and roll and stuff like that and that's kind of how this industry is but i think now there's so many creative people we have the internet we have mobile phones we can all just be like one of my favorite songs is from that i've written is a girl for called nikki wright from seattle and she recorded the vocal on her phone and i processed it and put it into the track and it sounds fucking amazing like yeah, but then that's down to you. That's because of your engineering skills, though, isn't it? Also down to her voice, man. And I think well. I think this is the thing, is that, like, we live in this time when there's so many talented people and we're so... Cl- the world is so small now. Yeah. Like, you can... You can speak to anyone... You can speak to somebody in Australia and you can write a record with them, if you know what I mean. You don't have to be in the same room. I love being in the same room with people. I love that yeah. vibe of being in the same room. But... Yeah we we're lucky that we have that so realistically there's we don't have to go and search for those samples we can go and search for so many different creative people that can give you better samples yeah better songs you know i just thought about i don't even mind i don't reckon in 20 years time people's going to be sampling me from those old tunes and then i'll be getting they will they will man So, so i'll just hope like because obviously, like even the whole hip hop thing's built on samples, yeah. So it is important. It's part of the music vibe, anyway. Yeah. But it's it's getting a balance. But I think if you're a producer, you should be able to do both. Yeah, 
and totally. be comfortable to do both because that that'll just separate you and and also it's just giving you a more of a challenge as well isn't it yeah that i and the that, other that, day it's funny like. one of my i won't say his name because i haven't confronted him about it yet but <laughs> if he listens to this he's gonna know exactly who it is so, and <laughs> yeah anyway um but he in one of his records I I have this drum machine like right beside me, this the black thing there, mm. and it makes a very unique shaker sound that I put in pretty much every single one of my records. We've done a collab together, and I put the put my drums in it, and he's used that that's that's shaker for one of his other records, and I'm like, dude, I don't want to call you out on it because I know you've done it. And I don't know if you've done it on purpose or you just found it and you're like, yeah, I love it. But I like that. <laughs> but I'm just like, mate, I can hear it from a mile away. And I'm like, I don't that's, is that like your signature kind of vibe? Yeah. And I'm like, bruv, yeah. like, do I say something to him or do I just like leave it? I don't know. Say something, say something, say. Text him in a bit. Oh. Before it goes out live, and he hears it is out already, and like, yeah, oh jeez, oh. I feel so bad. I can't. I'm always straight with people. I do, I do, I like, but I like ringing up people and and having conversations, and and it, st- stories like that is what I do like hearing about as well. I'm str- I'm very straight with people. Like I'm very honest, but yeah, I don't really like confrontation. Not really mm. a confrontation person, unless I have to be. If that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Like, I feel like, but you'd always give like constructive criticism yeah. if it's needed. Yeah, man, we're all strange, strange human beings, right? Well, I think most producers are strange anyway. There's not be. many producers that are actually quite normal, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> have to be. Just sit in a room. Like, it's it was funny at the beginning of lockdown. It's like the whole world complaining about being stuck in one room for hours and hours. It's like, what are you fucking moaning about? This is what we do every fucking week. It's just, this is wild. So coming up, what if you, I remember talking to you like a couple of months ago and you were releasing shit loads of music. Um, Thanks. Yeah. What, what have you got coming up? So if I'm just honest, like this, it's always like September, October, there's been like a lot of death around yeah. this month and even the last couple of weeks I lost my cousin Anne and, and a nan in the same Shit, man. same day sorry dude. um so it's just like that's been pretty mad like my granddad dies around this time my one of my best friend died two years ago so we kind of had an anniversary kind of link up with our friends for him it's, it's just it's just a crazy month always yeah. so I was having a bit of a break for releases. Um, so, but I had to, yeah, I'm on somebody's album that comes out tonight. So there's a guy from Bristol, a rapper from Bristol, J0117. Okay. His album comes out tonight. So I got a track on there with 091. So it's like That's a right. hip hop kind of grime kind of beat. And I do the hook on there. But um, I've got a couple of weeks off. And then in November, I got a release every week. Damn different kind of like they're different genres a little bit but they're all kind of under kind of like the bass bass highs and like bass line tunes but i kind of plan stuff like that all the time yeah so in what i did in 
July or August, I can't remember which month it is now, I did a drum and bass release. So I spoke to people like in February, March, saying what genre do people want? And a lot of people said drum and bass because I don't do that that often. Yeah. So I did a drum and bass release like every week in July or August. I can't even remember now (laughs) which month, but I did that. And then in December, I've got two releases. Um, One of them's getting played on Kiss at the moment. It's like a little garage track with this guy called Joe Berger and it's called Vibe. Um, so that's getting like a little bit of radio play at the moment. So he's really happy about that. Um, and then I've got a tune with a guy from Japan called Jack the Fishworks. Jacks, lo- love, yeah, Jacks. I absolutely love working with him. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing working with him. So we've got a release coming on Confessions, and we've got a release in December as well with a good label. Nice, can't, and can't say. Them. And when I hit in January, I'm kind of on like a Tech House label. Okay. So it's been, it's been, it's going to start the first week in Jan. And for me, if it goes ahead, I think it should be getting signed off. So they've agreed the date and got the artwork out. We're just waiting for the producer to sign it off. But um, I think it will, it will kind of put me into another kind of genre. Yeah. But it's like a really respectable label and it's with a big artist label. um, Cool, man. Running it. And I think that's going to be nice for me. And then I've got like some really cool tunes, which I feel like I know what I want to do for myself now. Yeah. And yeah, I'm actually just pretty mad excited. And actually, I I got, yeah, that's what I got. I have got a dubstep tune in. in, Who's that with? In October. So it's me, Myro from the States and um, Ryder Shafiq. Okay, and it's called Who Dem, and we're looking to shoot a music video for it as well. But um, that just making that tune, just recording that day was we was in hysterics because literally was just like <laughs> trying to outdo each other on the bars, like. And I don't I even that. do dubstep tunes often, so yeah. it was fun to do, like just really fun to do. Where did and you I'm record just it? To have fun. Where did you yeah. record it? Um, with oh, what's the producer's name? It was in Bristol. Okay. Can't remember the producer. Oh, Jay Selector. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he's a drum and bass producer. He's doing really well. So we recorded in in his studio. So it was just good to have an engineer on that one to record the vocals with. That's dope, man. So and it was fun. It was just really fun. And I'm literally just trying to work as much and I'm doing quite a lot of like resampling at the moment. Um like some housey kind of stuff. What else? What else? Oh, mate, you're fucking doing loads. Yeah, like, come I'm, on. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working with somebody who's working on computer games. So oh, he's working okay, on, and I, I've always wanted to kind of. That's like one of the tick boxes that yeah, I wanted to get I on. Agree. So I kind of got that on, and then I think early next year I want to start working on my own stuff. Do you want to do an um, album? Maybe not an album, but if it happens to be an album just the way I work, then that'll be great. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll, it's, I'm happy to do it as an EP. Yeah. And I feel quite comfortable with knowing what I'm doing. Yeah, I've got yeah. a tune with Taiki New Light. I work with him quite a lot. We've yeah. done a good few tunes together. And if the tune works out how I'm expecting it to work out, I'm re- I'm just excited. Yeah. But I'm excited just to work. It's amazing, Even after man. this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in the studio. I'm recording straight after this. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> telling you that I'm, i've been up since 5 a.m and i've got three hours sleep and i'm like i cannot wait to sleep tonight it's gonna be a good sleep yeah. but yeah, yeah um 
let's wrap this one up. It's been amazing to catch up, dude. And Rev, honestly, like before, I've got a lot of respect for you. Likewise, and, man. Likewise, and and it's it's just great that we, me, and you can just catch up every few months. Yes, and... but we we need to we need to catch up. We need to actually go for dinner or something. So yeah, before this madness kind of ends, and we could actually when we're back on the road, let's try and catch up for some dinner and kind of catch up and yeah, man. Maybe I'm get in the studio, maybe write some beats. Yeah, bruv, just, just whenever you're ready and like we've got a day that we're both free Let's and about, then Let's do you know that, that can work. Before we end, how can anyone follow you? What's your socials and everything like that? So all my socials are, are DreadMC. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Cool. Um, that's all DreadMC. And I have got an email called like tunes for dread at gmail.com because i'm i'm doing a radio show on swoo so oh, i'm just dope. playing a, i'm just doing a, a mixed genre of music really so anything anything really i'm just playing a whole mix of underground dance music bass music so if anybody wants to send me stuff on that they can do so swoo's the um, bristol radio station right yeah literally kickstarting this month how's it going got... how's it going because i remember when it launched um, oh, the, the launch was the launch was great with when it did it a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, and I've been down to the new building, and it seems really nice, really professional. Cool. It's going to be one of the best things to happen in Bristol. Yeah, I agree. It'll, I think it will really bring like a community to back. Actually, would you be up for doing a guest mix? With yeah, my man. new lane then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's make it. that. Let's make that work. I said yeah. straight after this, let's um. Let's just like kind of work it out and set it up. Yeah. Like definitely. even for the, the month after. Yeah. I'm down, man. I'm down. 100%. Perfect. Right. Big yeah. love, dude. Keep safe. Nothing but love, bro. Bless good, up, man. Good luck with the new yeah. baby in a few months' time. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> right. Love you, dude. Uh, stay, right, on, stay on. Don't hang up. Stay on. I'm just going to end record. Right. Big love, man. Right, Keep safe. Man. Yo, that was a wrap and I loved it. It was amazing. I'm really tired and it was just a really nice podcast to kind of have to end my day. Um, so I hope you all really enjoyed it as well. Go follow Dread. He's an amazing guy um, and puts out some some badass music. Keep safe. Have a great week. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with all your mates. Thank you so much for all the support on these shows. It's it's absolutely amazing. I couldn't do it without you all. Um, if you do want to give us a review, that would be absolutely amazing. And it just keeps the shows going. Big love. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.